I speak in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please do be seated. They have no wine. At the start of the first lockdown, as well as loo roll and baked beans and pasta, some stores ran out of wine. Given the circumstances, it was hardly surprising that people might panic at the thought they might not be able to access their way to unwind at the end of a day, attempting to both work from home and homeschool. In many Bible translations, it has Mary saying, they have no more wine. I reckon that's a bit closer to the true meaning. After all, they did have wine at the start, it just ran out. And it's this phrase above all else in the passage that leapt out at me. They have no more wine. It's like a cipher for so many things, and especially hope. Fishermen who voted for Brexit in the hope it would improve their business. They have no more wine. Trump supporters who thought he would make America great again. They have no more wine. Those who thought countries everywhere are on an inexorable march to fairer societies and transparent democracies. They have no more wine. Those who believed that continuous economic growth would lead us to the sunny uplands of progress rather than an ever warming earth ravaged by climate change. They have no more wine. Even in the church, seeing congregations dwindle to the point of unsustainability and buildings sold or closed, they have no more wine. So what does this extraordinary story have to tell us? Some have said of John's gospel that it is shallow enough for a gnat to paddle in and deep enough for an elephant to swim in. There's so much in this passage in fact, there was a little insight that I saw just, just now that will come in later on. Jesus answers his mother sharply, and actually not for the first time in the Gospels, or the last. My time has not yet come. His time is an allusion to the cross and all that will be achieved there. But still he carries out this miracle, and John calls it a sign. A sign being something that points to something else. I think it's a sign for us right now that whatever we, it is that we think we can rely on, it's foolish not to take the risk and rely on Jesus. That he's the only source of real transformation, real change, real joy. That what he has to give us is entirely free to us that there's nothing we can do to deserve it, but that his transforming grace is, seems to be only available to those who are prepared to be obedient. That this obedience may not always mean following a path that makes sense. After all, imagine being told that the whole answer to the wine problem was to be found in filling large jars with water. When I was a curate, I had a small, effectively two-bedroom house 
I had full days and evenings and didn't suffer much from loneliness, but I felt the nudge to get a lodger. And lo and behold, an ad appeared in the parish magazine asking if anyone had room for a lodger for a few days a week. I prayed about it, said to God, look, I don't think this is right for me. It's one of the few times when I think I've heard God's voice. It's not for your benefit. And when he arrived, Clive wasn't quite what I'd imagined I'd end up with in a flat share. A man, for a start, just a year younger than my mum. And he wasn't a Christian. With my heart in my mouth, I later invited him to join in with a group to explore the Christian faith, a bit like Alpha. During the course, something clicked for him and he went on to be happily confirmed. He remains a Christian, a person who seeks to serve his local community where only a few years ago, he became an independent local councillor. People sometimes say that all churches worry about are the numbers, that somehow there's something unspiritual about caring about the numbers of young people in church or the declining numbers on electoral rolls. But numbers matter because each one of them is a person like Clive. And they're people who, whether they realize it or not, in one way or other, have no more wine. So what can each one of us do about it. Well, later today on our social media streams, I'm going to post a video about a thing called the Acorn Project. It's not very high razzmatazz, certainly the video is not. And there was a mention of this project um, in the newsletter. It's a way of being open to allow Jesus to turn the ordinary water of our lives into the wine of his kingdom. It's a bit like what I did when I said, said yes to having Clive as my lodger, simply asking God each day what we can do to join in with the work that he's already doing in people's lives. It doesn't matter where we are in our lives. After all, at that wedding, the best wine was saved until last. It might involve service, but I thought it was really significant that in John's gospel, he mentions that the steward who hadn't been doing the serving didn't know where the wine had come from. He didn't know the meaning of it. It was the people who were doing the service who got closer to Jesus. Just like Clive, he's evidencing Christ in his life by serving his local community. Anyone can do the ACORN process. Anyone. And you might just have the joy of seeing a Clive come to faith. I'll end with the words of Bishop Tom Wright. Fancy risking your job and the steward's anger by serving purification water on the say-so of a stranger. Fancy disobeying and missing the glory.